I want to bring you a reading this morning from the, the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your Bible, just open to 1 Kings chapter 19. And as you're going there, I just want to pray that God would just speak to us one more time from this great pulpit. Amen. That there won't be a person here this morning who will leave not nourished and not touched by the presence of God. Father, we acknowledge your glory in this house, Lord. We know that you're here. You said, Lord, when two or three are gathered together in your name, you are present in the midst of them. So we welcome you here this morning, Lord. We have sang of your greatness, Lord. And Lord, we have, Lord, touched your very presence, Lord. And you have touched us, Lord. But God, we pray you will nourish our souls this morning. And that one more time you will speak from this pulpit, Lord. Lord, that you will open up your word to us, God. And everyone will leave her strengthened and rejoicing in the Lord. And all the praise and all the glory will go to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading from verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and even more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he had saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. Can I just stop there for a moment? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Because if you said no, I would say you're not on the journey long enough. <laughs> it's enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. And they also seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your orders and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And the Lord said to him, go return your way into the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. And you should also anoint Jehu, the son of Mishmi, as king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abal Maholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. This is an incredible a time in the life of Israel. This is the nation that God, his own special people, God had chosen them. He called Abraham out of that man. He said, I'm going to give a nation. Out of that nation, I'm going to give a homeland. And out of that homeland, I'm going to bring about the salvation of the world. And so there are special people. There are people that Paul says that they were, to them were given the prophets and the scriptures and the revelation of God. And they had come out, as we sang this morning, from Egypt after 500 years of bondage. They didn't come out any old way, friends. They were brought out by the mighty power of God. They had seen events and the miraculous that the likes of, of no other people on the face of the earth have ever seen. And yet, even though God established them, God had given them a homeland, they had very quickly began to revert back to the pagan gods of their time. 
And we are now at a time in history where we all know this. If you're a seasoned reader of the Word of God, you know where we are in your Bible right now. We're now at this time where Israel had completely turned their back upon the revelation of God. They had turned their way to the fertility gods of the Phoenician peoples around them, particularly to the God of Baal. And Baal was a prosperity god. Some nervous laughs as well, amen. And so Baal, his name actually meant Lord. And in some strange way, even the name Baal began to become homogenized into the Jewish language. It was, after all, it's just another God. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, there's many ways to express God. Baal is just another name for Lord. And, and in, in some sort of innocuous way, the name Baal became somewhere connected to Jewish thinking. They started to move slowly, friends. Amen. We don't put the name of Jehovah in the arena of competition, friends. Krishna is dead. Muhammad is dead. But Jesus is alive. Amen. And so uh, there is no God but the Lord. Amen. The Lord our God. The Lord, he is one. And somehow it had creaked into the psychology. And slowly as they began to cave in on some basic truths of who God was. God's name is very important, friends. We don't serve Jesus, we serve Jesus the Christ. Amen. The anointed one, the only one. There is no other name under heaven, the Bible says, given among men by which you can be saved. And so it had come to a time where slowly this began to creep into the psychology of Israel. And then under the wicked king of Ahab, he married Jezebel, who was a Sidonian. She was a princess of Sidon. And she was a Baal worshiper and she was a priestess, a high priestess of that religion. And she brought with her that awful, awful religion into Israel. Israel was very happy to receive it. It was a sensuous religion. What I mean by that, it was a religion that appealed to the natural senses of man. What you can smell, taste, feel, touch and hear, friends. It was, a, it was a, an erotic religion. It appealed to the perverted side of human nature. It gave all its false promises of prosperity. And Baal was the, the god of the heavens. He was also known as the god that, of, of the rain and of the dew. And so out comes this lone ranger steps into the pages in chapter 16 of this book. He steps in. Here comes Elijah, the Tishabite from Gilead. You could write a book about this, friends. Amen. He's like some cowboy that comes out at dusk into the, into the town to, fight, to find the oppressive sheriff. Amen. And to put order back into Israel. And so off the pages of history steps this great hero. Unheard of unknown at this time and yet he comes to Ahab in chapter 17 and he challenges Ahab and he says to Ahab very simply there's not going to be any water there's not going to be any dew for these next few years until I say so and that was a direct warfare against Baal that was a direct conflict about uh, over the God that had now been the the, the 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 God of the false God that had become the false God of Israel and so very quickly, the commerce began, began to fall. Very quickly, friends, uh, we, you know, two years ago, we had a, probably the first summer we've ever had in years. Normally, they tell you, if you have seen an Irish man with a tan, it's normally rust, okay? But we, we had a summer, I think it was last year. It lasted about four weeks or five weeks. And, uh, and Ireland is the, the land, uh, you know, 40 shades of green and all the songs are true. It's beautiful land. But very quickly when that rain stopped, friends, we began to see the grass turn brown. And then they begin to die and the farmers begin to complain that there's not going to be enough feed for the winter time. But Israel had endured this for three, over three years and all of a sudden, its commerce began to fall. Everything, everything that they put their trust in, the fertility gods, the prosperity, all of that gospel, all of that thinking began to crumble. I want to tell you this morning, friends, we live in a very, very precarious time. We live in a time where people are saying, oh, well, we're posting 2.1% growth in America. I want to tell you, friends, out in the Straits of Hormez at the moment, there is a despot country ready to start a war with you and all of that can be gone in a moment amen all of that prosperity all of that goodwill all of those good figures that are posting in Nasdaq and all these well not so good the last couple of days but you understand what I'm saying friends <laughs> everything can change in a moment some trust in horses some trust in chariots amen but we should trust in the name of our God amen 
And so there's nothing. It gets to such a stage where even Ahab himself, as the king, has to leave his palace and, and travel the land and try to find some bit of grass, some bit of water for his own livestock. He sends Obadiah in another direction. And Obadiah eventually runs into Elijah, the troubler of Israel. And he tells Obadiah, you tell that king, I want to speak with him. And we know the story, of course. He meets with Ahab. And he calls Ahab to Mount Carmel. He says, you bring all the prophets of Baal, the so-called Lord of the skies, the so-called Lord of the heavens, and you bring them to Mount Carmel, and we're going to see which God is God. Amen. And we know the competition that happened there. He met with 850 prophets, 450 prophets of Baal, and 400 prophets of Asherah. And they went up that mountain. The entire nation of Israel was gathered there. What a sight that must have been. This has never happened before. This is the first time in your Bible where the entire nation is gathered together as one people to see which God can answer by fire. It must have been some sight, friends. I've been up on the top of Mount Carmel. I was there a number of years ago. Beautiful part of Israel. And it looks down over the Megiddo. And you can see all that great valley where that last battle will happen. But I can only imagine as people began to hear and how it began to go to the mulberry bushes that there is a competition. Elijah, the man of God that brought the judgment on the nation, is calling the nation to see which God can answer by fire. I want to tell you, friends, the gospel is still powerful. Amen. I want to tell you right now, we have nothing to worry about, friends. We have not. You just turn on your television. I smirk at it because is that the best you can give us? Amen. It's all your prophets, all your king's horses, and all your king's men, and all your United Nations, and all your presidents, and all your pontification, yet you're lying on your leather couches, going to your shrinks every week. I want to tell you, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. The only thing that can change a man. And we know the story there, Elijah, he, he labors very, for a long time. They, they both are given this opportunity to build an altar. And so the prophets of Baal build their altar and they put their stones together and they slaughter their bullock and they begin to dance and they begin to sing and they begin to jump around the place for hours and hours to bring the power of God. Sounded like a bunch of Pentecostals. <laughs> if animation could draw the presence of God, we would have done it years ago. Amen. But that's not what draws the presence of God. But let me tell you, when the presence of God comes, you can't stop animation. Amen. And so they dance around and they begin to cut themselves. It's amazing the extremes that people go to today. Amen. Even among so-called evangelical Christians, the extremes you go to draw the presence of God. Well, it's simple faith, friends. It's simply walking with God. And of course, they're there all day long till the point of exhaustion. And then in comes Elijah. This is all in the previous chapters, you know. And Elijah walks in and he builds with his own hands this altar. And with his own hands, he has to slaughter, slaughter a bullock. And I know most of you guys think that meat comes from a shop. It comes from a farm, okay? I just want to let you know. I, I, they tell me that New Yorkers have never seen a cow. It's got four legs, a tail. It's quite big. <laughs> and so to slaughter a beast like that took a lot of work. And this man is laboring in the heat. And he's, he, he's naturally exhausted, but he is full of God. And in the midst of that, of course, we know what happens. He simply prays, oh God, that the God that is God answered by fire. And not only was his sacrifice consumed, the stones were consumed, the water was consumed, and the people shouted one accord, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And that settled it, friends. But you know, sometimes the greatest defeats can happen after the greatest victories. That's why we should never be ignorant of his devices. Sometimes the greatest attacks can happen immediately after church on a Sunday morning. Sometimes after the time you got filled with the Holy Spirit and rededicated your life to the Lord again. The Bible says we should not be ignorant of his devices. We are in a spiritual war, friends. Never forget that. We battle not against flesh and blood. We're against no man, no woman. We're for all men. We're for all women, amen. But we battle against principalities and powers and rulers in the dark place that hold civilizations in bondage. Our enemies are not a few or powerless friends. They are formidable. But thanks be to God who grants us the victory every time through Jesus Christ. But very quickly after this event, we know the water came. Roads began to get flooded, but a word comes from Jezebel. Very, very, very demonic word. May the gods do more so to me if your life is not like one of these by this time tomorrow. 
And something gripped this man, such fear gripped him. And it caused him to run after the greatest demonstration of the power of God that Israel had ever seen since the time of Moses. Where they had seen, without a doubt, God answered by fire. The entire nation repenting. I want to tell you, friends, we think it was bad then. We think it's bad now. Let me tell you, it was every bit as bad back then. We think, oh, the lamp of the Lord is nearly extinguishing the world that we're in today. It was all but gone in Elijah's time. And all God needed was one man. That's all he needed. One man that would believe him. One woman that would believe him. One person that would take him at his word. One person that would stand and say, Oh God, use me. I don't particularly feel usable, but if you can bring your name to reputation to this miserable life, God then take it. And so we saw an entire nation when one man stepped in and preached and declared the power of God. And now his moment of weakness Here he comes and the word comes from this demonic attack out of nowhere, out of hell itself, friends. And he's got to such a place that he's physically exhausted. You can just imagine after the height of the emotional height. You know, we can read over the narrative very easily and just think that these were supermen. The Bible says Elijah was a man like us, like like passions. He was a man, friends. He was a human. He, He wasn't a superman. He was a man that got tired. He was a man that got vexed. He was a man that was given to passions, but he was also given to God. And that gives me hope for me, amen? It should give you hope for yourself. That God doesn't take perfect people. There's no perfect people. It's just a perfect Christ, amen? Willing to share himself with you today and come into your life and to make himself great in your life. And so this man is exhausted after the battle. I don't know about you, but I understand what that means. I've journeyed with the Lord nearly 40 years as a Christian. I've been preaching since a younger man on the streets with my mom and dad from the age of 13 years of age. I'm a street preacher. That's where I, I learned my, my craft, if you want to put it that way. Lifting up my voices on the street corner as loud as I could and ducking and diving the punches as they came our direction. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Not, I would have loved to be in a Bible school. I never knew what it was like to be in a Bible school, yet God used me to start two of them. Amen. Praise <laughs> the Lord. So what God uses it. A boy, if... Who left school at 15 and a half years of age. Praise the Lord. God can use you. If he's going to use me and he can use me, he'll use you. Amen. He'll use anybody. It's amazing. And here we are, Elijah. And my heart goes out to this man because it's only now as I begin to journey with the Lord, I begin to appreciate more the trauma that he was under. And this fear grips him at his weakest moment. He's exhausted. You know, there's some here this morning, there's some here listening to this word, and you're exhausted. You're exhausted because you have put yourself out there. You're exhausted for the testimony of Christ. You've travailed in prayer. You've travailed in the workplace. You have honored the Lord. You've stood the test, friends, and and all of a sudden this attack has come upon you out of nowhere, and it's floored you. And this man went running. And we can, you know, and I'm sure he felt like the worst failure after the greatest victory he could imagine. When the entire nation turns back to God, all of a sudden this woman, this one woman, utters one word out of her mouth and he runs like a coward. And he's so exhausted, friends, he falls down absolutely exhausted and he prayed for death. I want to tell you, when you lose your purpose, you're only one step away from praying for death, friends. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthian church, spoke about his his time in Asia Minor, where he said, we despaired of even life itself. Jeremiah, when he got to such a place in his life where he said, cursed are the day when they say a male child was born. I'm going to tell you, friends, if you haven't gone there, you will, unfortunately. It's a place where God is going to revive you and God's going to deal with you. I want to tell you, friends, Christians that lose their purpose are no more different than those who have no purpose in the first place, friends. And somehow he lost his identity in all this. Sometime, it, somehow in the, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the work, in, in reaching out to other people, he, he, he lost his focus of how much he was loved by God. He went fear gripped his heart. One step away from suicide. Friends, I understand as better, better than I can even tell you this morning. I went through a time of my own ministry and it's only now in the last maybe few months I've had the liberty to share this. But I went through nearly three years where I couldn't take the blankets off my head until 11 or 12 o'clock in the morning. Couldn't get out of bed. 
Yet I had to preach on a Wednesday. I had to preach on a Sunday. I had to even come into the pulpit here and overcome those natural fears. I was so beaten up by the devil, so exhausted in the ministry, so let down by brethren, so abandoned as, as how I felt that there was no one standing with me, not knowing that God had preserved 7,000 that didn't bow the knee to Baal. Amen. But I felt isolated. I felt despaired. And I was under those blankets as some of you are. And I'm, I'm doing deals with God. Oh God, I, I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if it's a heart attack. Take me as long as you look after my wife. She's there. My children, my grandchildren, the church. I had a big long list, of course. But you, you promised me, God, you look after all of them. I want to die now. Friends, I'm telling you, that's how, that's how, it, get, that's how it is. This man prayed for death. He was absolutely wiped. And not only is he, not only is he wiped, friends, he's got some theological quirks that need to be earned out of him. And yet he's exhausted and he's running. And the angel comes and touches him. And then the second time he says, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And I want to tell you, it's too great for any of us, friends. Hallelujah. Man shall not live in bread alone. Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And here he is exhausted. I want you to picture him. I want to picture how he must have felt in his emotions. How, he must have, how disappointed with himself he must have felt. Having run and he's running. What am I running for? I've seen, I know, I felt, I've, I've been a conduit for the power of God and I'm running. And I'm cowering, I'm exhausted, I'm ready to give, I want, I want to die. All of the above. And I tell you, friends, this morning, there's many, many here. And the devil thinks he has you. And you think that he has you. I want to tell you, it ain't over yet, amen. I want to tell you, God is speaking to you. Arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. He's not expecting that friendship. He's expecting some vitriolic God. What are you doing here? You failure. You miserable worm, Jacob. You, you weakling. I've, I've, I've displayed my power and you're the very one running. You've destroyed my testimony. What is the nation thinking now? After such a great demonstration, after bringing them all up to Mount Carmel, over a million plus people are gathered in and now you're running like a sissy. What are you doing? No, that wasn't the world. He said, touch them. The, the angel of the Lord, an appearance of Jesus himself in the Old Testament. Coming to comfort him. As he comes to comfort you this morning. And as he comes to comfort his church. And he wakes us up. And thank God today the church is starting to wake up. Amen. Thank God we begin to see there was always bread in the house of God. I made you something. Arise and eat Elijah. The journey is too great for you. And that man he began to eat. And the Bible says he went for 40 days. And 40 nights in the strength of this food. Incredible. And he gets to Horeb and he goes into a cave. And of course, he's still a little uncertain because he still thinks, oh, there's, God has got a big stick. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to pay the piper. I'm going to have to answer for my failure. And I'm sure he's standing there and all of a sudden these manifestations start to happen. He begins to see the winds and fires and thunderings. And he's there and he's thinking to himself, this is it. This is judgment day. You know, I, I used to think like that. When I'd mess up and people wouldn't even know some of the mess ups because they're all internalized or internal battles. But I knew God knew them. Even my wife wouldn't know them, but God knew them. And I'm thinking, oh, this is it. This is my idea of God. If you mess up, he's going to be a hard taskmaster. But I will tell you, friends, the, the, it, the wind came and, the wind, and he wasn't in the wind. And the fire came. I'm sure he was inside that cave. Oh, it's going to torch me. Look how I've messed up. See, his, his theology was wrong. And then the thunderings came and the earthquakes came. And oh, this is it. This is my judgment. Oh, God is going to really do me here. I've messed up so badly. But he wasn't in the judgment, friends. And he wasn't in that. He was a still small voice. Hallelujah. This beautiful voice. He had to learn something about God. He had to learn that his God is a loving God. He doesn't cast you aside. He doesn't say, I've used you now and I've abused you and I've no use for you. And so he begins to learn. Something begins to expand. And in the midst of trial, friends, our understanding of the grace and the love of God begins to expand. 
we begin to appreciate grace more now than we did when we first started. I'm telling you, the longer I live as a Christian, I am more amazed by grace now than I was when I first got saved. I'm amazed how God loves any of us. I'm not lying. I'm amazed how God loves any of us, friends. When we all know what can go on in here and go on in here and how unflattering it can be to the testimony of God, yet he loves us. Amazing. I had, a, I had a revelation one day driving my car. Myself and my wife had a little bit of intense fellowship. <laughs> it would never be my fault, of course. You know that. <laughs> but there's silence in the car. We're driving back home and I'm beginning to think, man, there's enough sin in this car to sink an armada. <laughs> and then I begin to think of my, my mom and my dad who I look up to and admire. And I begin to think that God sees all their sin too. And he sees my children's sin. And my grandchildren. And he sees all around me. And he sees all its sins and sins. And yet, he loves us. That's grace, friends. See, I grew up. I grew up with the wrong theology of God. I grew up Catholic, of course. If If I did anything wrong as a Catholic kid. My grandmother would say, if I came in and skimmed my knee from playing football or running around, my grandmother would say, that's holy God getting you back for me, the bull boy. <laughs> oh, that, and my idea of God was this cranky grandfather. That unless I was completely perfect in every way and had the right pose, because we had you know, the, the head to one side, the hands together. Those of you Catholic know exactly what I'm on about. Work. And so my idea of God was this, was this unpredictable. Could be loving, could be cranky, who knows what mood he's in. And I think Elijah needs to have a revelation of who he serves, amen. And you and I need to have a fresh revelation of who loves us this morning. Hallelujah. But you know, in the midst of all this, I was thinking about the superfood that God gave him. Do you know God gives us superfood? He gives us superfood, friends. He gave him food that lasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I'm hoping to do a a diet. I'm always dieting. I'm hoping to get that one shake that will fill me for like a month. But he went and strengthened it for 40 days and 40 nights. And and I begin to say, Lord, you know, of course we're transferring transferring this forward to now. We're all like Elijah in so many ways that we see victories in our lives and we see God use us in powerful ways and then sometimes these awful defeats come in and we feel like we're buried and we're bargaining with death and we're arguing with God and we're arguing with ourselves and then Jesus in his mercy comes either through a preacher or a friend or through the Holy Spirit and touches us again and says, Arise and eat, I have not finished with you. What a grace of God that goes out to us all this morning, friends. You know, we can, we can read over the narratives of all these great men and women of God in the scripture and deny the great cost and failures of them. In actual fact, when you go to your Old Testament, I'd, I'd probably say 99.9% of them wouldn't even be ushers at Times Square Church. <laughs> Imagine having David as an usher. He's a serial, he's a murderer. He's an adulterer. Imagine having Moses, you know, greeting you at the door. Is it the nice Moses or is it the murderous Moses? Is it the angry guy or the good guy? Who have I got this morning? The reason I'm saying that, friends, is because it is the grace of God that comes upon a man. It is God who justifies you. It has to be. It has to be the Holy Spirit coming in, doing the supernatural work of grace in your life, establishing you in the presence of God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. From beginning to end, it's God's birth. Birth child, hallelujah. It's God's dream. It is God's heart. It's not that when he created this world, all of a sudden he he is thrown into utter confusion because of the actions of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. Thank God it's the plan of salvation, amen. Thank God when it all went wrong, he wasn't scratching his head back in Eden going, oh, what am I going to do, Michael? Adam has messed the whole thing up. What am I going to do, Gabriel? Have you got any ideas? Thanks be to God. He knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. a plan for your life and that plan is the same friends the callings and gifts of God are without revocation and I don't know how long it's been dormant in you I don't know how long you've been in this place where you're hiding and running from God but I believe this morning God would say to you arise and eat I've got something to feed you on amen the journey is too great for you but not for me 
get back into the race. And I began to wonder, what was a superfood? And I began to think way, way later on when the Savior comes. In John chapter 4, great story. The Savior is passing. He's going to a, he's going to a Samaritan town, Samaria. And they stop outside this Samaritan town. And he sends his disciples to go into the town to get some food. Remember that story? If you don't, you'll remember it as I go on. And he meets this woman at a well. Of course, the Samaritans are half-breeds. They're, they're hated by the Jews. And a rabbi would have nothing to do with them. But Jesus hates nobody. Amen. Doesn't care about your, your background. Doesn't care about the cut of your skin. Doesn't care where you, what part of town you came from. He loves people, friends. The Son of Man came to, came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. He did not come into the world to condemn it. But that the world through him would be saved. And so the Savior meets this serial marriage killer. She's at this well. Amen. And now she's an adulterer. And he knows all things, the secrets of all hearts, amen. And he begins to share his kindness to this woman. And we know the story that takes place. And of course, she is so drawn to this man. Hallelujah. There's something about, there's something so pure. She's known many men. But there's something about this man. His touch is pure. His look is pure, amen. His words are kind. They may be sharp, but they're the wounds of a friend. And he speaks right into her life as he speaks into millions right now. And he says, I'm here. And, and of course, we know that she ends up being drawn to him. And she ends up worshiping him. And, and, and the Holy Spirit touches her. And she becomes wonderfully saved. And she's running back into the town. And she's telling everybody, come see a man who told me everything about my life. Incredible. He's there in the midst of the noonday sun bearing down on him. And back come the disciples. You read this in John 4. I haven't got time to read it out to you. Get it. I'm on strict orders. They say the Irish can make a long story longer. It's our gift. And the beautiful, and now comes the disciples and, and they, they offer Jesus some food. And he says, I have food of another source that you know not. He said, my food is to do the will of my father. Elijah, Keep doing my will. I want to tell you this morning, friends, a lot of us wait for the power to hit us. God says, no, I'll give you the power after. A lot of us want some sort of shaking. God wants you to eat and your food is to do the will of your father. I don't know about you, but when I saw that, I was thinking, Lord, this is how we get longevity. Amen. This is how we run this race. The very minute we lose the purpose of why God has left us here in this world. The reason that you're here today is because there's a work that God has you to, yet to complete. You, when it's over, you're going to get promoted. Amen. But until now and then, there is a work that God has for you to accomplish. And that is going to be your food. Because without that purpose, friends, you are one step away from suicide. You're one step away from bargaining your life away, friends. But when we get back to the purpose, purposes of God what are the purposes of God my my food is to do the will of my father I must be about my father's business there is something very beautiful when you see men and women of God that was despite whether the rain shines whether the rain pours in them or whether the sun shines in them they sow that seed regardless friends they regard neither the wind nor the rain but they walk that walk because God has put a love in their hearts for this dying world and that's what God was wanting to bring you. Your food is to do the will of God. Your food is to get back into the race. It's not about you. When it becomes about you, you end up just like Elijah did. Elijah thought it was about him. No, Elijah. It's about him. It's his gospel. It's his power. It's his cross. No, Elijah. But I will make you a partaker of the divine nature if you want. Oh, what a beautiful thought this morning. Imagine God bringing you into cooperation through his sovereignty to say, I could have done this on my own, but I choose and I elect to do it with you. Amen. You are the light of the world. You are the city built upon a hill. It's not the animal kingdom, friends. It's not the majesty of creation, although they all testify to his greatness. You are the salt. You are the light. You are his hands. You are his voice. You are his feet. You are his compassion in this world. Amen. Our, our food is to do the will of the Father. 
Now get up, Elijah, and go out and anoint Jehu. And go out and anoint Elisha. And go out and anoint Hazel. Get on with the gospel. Is there anybody hearing me this morning? Arise and eat and get on with it. Come on, preach it. There's no other message. There's no other way. I'm pretty tuned into your politics over here. Yeah, you should all be putting your eyes down at this stage. Unfortunately, that is the best that this world can offer. Because all flesh is the same. I said all flesh is the same. You get, one, get rid of one group of, and you get another group in their place. Do you understand? If we look to Newtonianism, to the natural rules of this life to bring happiness and peace, there is no peace. There's no peace outside of Christ. And there's no peace for the Christian that uses this life for themselves. If you try to save your life, you are going to lose it. That's what Elijah learned, friends. But if you will lay down your life, you will save it. And he got back up again, friends. He tried to preserve himself. And some of you, friends, I, you know, my heart goes out to you. Some of you who work in secular realms of great influence, you're going to be denied position. I hate to tell you, you're going to be denied position. You're going to be denied promotion. Some of you are going to lose jobs because you won't abort babies. Some of you are going to lose position because you will not promote a moral program that is debased and without foundation in God's word. You can clap that one too. I know that's very politically insensitive, but I want to tell you, it's either right or wrong, and I stand with the word of God this morning. But God will cause you to stand. And God is telling you this morning, arise. Let your light so shine before men. Let them see your good deeds. Let them know that there's a Christian in the building. Amen. Let them know there's a someone in the street that knows him. Amen. When such darkness and disarray, and friends, it breaks my heart to say it. I have nothing but love for people. I don't hate anybody. I don't care what your orientation is. I don't care what your religion is. I have nothing but love for people. God has put that into my heart. It's a work of God, isn't it, to be able to say that? But to go into this world, I think I've quoted this many times before, Mr. Wesley, when they, he was preaching in, in England and was, the, the enemy was angry. And anger came into the hearts of many publicans because so many were turning from booze and from drunkenness and getting saved. I mean, England was nearly awash with alcoholism. They used to have signs up in the taverns, drunk for a, ped, a penny, a dead drunk for a penny and a half and straw for two pennies. And that was, the, that was literally the, on, on the taverns. Women would be suffocating their children from breastfeeding, just falling drunk on top of them. It was such a terrible time. And yet he went and preached the gospel. And I want to tell you, when you preach the gospel, people will get angry, friends. The enemy will be angry. And he began to preach that gospel. At one time, there was a mob came to meet him. A mob came to burn him out and kill him. And the, the, the storyline tells us that he, he stood up amongst them. And he said, my heart was filled with love and my mouth was filled with arguments. And as he began to share that love and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, that sedation from heaven came upon on that mob and the leader of that mob came to him and said Mr. Wesley no man will hurt you today I will walk you home I want to tell you friends you are until God says you're not amen and if you die you die and that's what a great way to do friends to die in the service of the king arise and eat the journey is too great for you your food your superfood, your sovereign food your divine food is to do the will of the father and I want to tell you, don't talk yourself out of a good fight here. Don't say, oh, I will if the Holy Spirit touches me with a buzz in my head and shakes me around at the altar. No, no, whether he touches you, shakes you, falls you, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. You do the will of God. Amen. The only reason you live is for the glory of God and for the souls of men. And when you lose that purpose, all you've got left is your job, your career. And I'm telling you, I worked for 16 years for Canon. I was a top guy with them. And after I resigned to go full-time into ministry, I got myself a watch. But the next week, I couldn't even go back into the back storerooms because I wasn't part of the company anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're yesterday's man. 
You can chase after the career. You can chase after them. And New York does it better than anyone else. Chase after that dream, friends. But I'm telling you, when you get up that mountain, I had a phone call yesterday from a young man. I won't give his name out, but he's actually one of the most successful musicians that ever came out of Ireland. Part of a huge band. And he rang me yesterday and uh, asked me for prayer. His father's got pancreatic cancer. He became a Christian a couple of years ago. Wonderful young man. I don't want to drop his name out there, but everybody would know the band. So, but I remember he was in my house and sharing with me his story. And this is a hugely successful musician. Hugely successful. And uh, he was telling me, he said, Pastor, he said, you know, I've climbed up the mountain. He says, I went to the very top and there's nothing there. And I said to him, that's because you were climbing the wrong mountain. It's time for us to go up the mountain of the Lord. It's time for us to preach the gospel. It's time for us to show our good works to men. To love all men and to tell them the truth of the gospel. That is the food that will sustain you. Without that vision, the Bible says, the people have no restraint. Without that vision, the people perish, amen. And maybe some here, you've fallen into a sleep and into a slumber because of your own failure. You've resigned yourself to inaction because you think I've messed up once too often. You think that God is down in you. I want to tell you, God is no more down in you than man in the moon. And there's no man in the moon, amen. I want to tell you, he loves you. He cares about you. He's a plan for you. He wants you to come back into him. He wants you to go out of this place today and find Jehu, whoever Jehu is, and anoint him, amen. And, and find uh, Elisha, whoever Elisha is, and anoint him. He wants you to preach the gospel again. In season, out of season. Hail, rain, snow, or shine, friends. Amen. Get back into the battle. Don't let the devil have the last word in your life. Oh, I tell you, go out in a blaze of glory. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Get rid of that skewed theology that God is against you. Let me tell you, God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. Some of you, some of you, some of us will end up incarcerated. Some of us will end up probably even martyred for the faith. Who knows where God is going to bring you? But it matters not, friends. Hallelujah. What matters is that we don't lose our purpose. Our purpose is to do the will of the Father. Our purpose is to do God's will. And as we do the works of God and do the will of God, let me tell you, there is a covering of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. He will hold in perfect peace those who heart, whose hearts and minds are set upon Him, set upon His purposes, set upon His plans, set upon His vision. Make His vision your vision amen make his goal your goal amen don't try to get you don't try to get God to agree to your agenda that's a mess up there friends if there's ever a mess up get to agree with God's agenda amen get back into the fight arise and eat this morning let the Holy Spirit administrate to you into your very heart into your very soul the great purpose why you were saved you were saved so that you could contain the creator and make him known wherever you are and that the glory of God would follow you and men would take note that you have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just, I would like, I would, like would you just stand with me this morning? Just where you are, just stand with me. My heart is very much for the people of God. Very, very much and very burdened for God's people. So many have prayed for death like Elijah. So many have messed up and they think that God is out to get them. And they're so confused. And this morning we need to dispel those myths, friends. Amen. We need to cast them out in Jesus' name. We need to, as the great hymn writer said, no more without thee, glorious prince of life. Life is not without me. Aid me in my strife. I need you this morning to reach out to God. If that's you, if you're that person that you know you've been so knocked out of the race because of your own sin, and maybe someone else has blocked your well, it doesn't matter. Your food is to do the will of your Father. Some of you don't look physically anorexic, but you're spiritually. Arise and eat. And eat, friends, is to come out of Times Square Church and to do the will of your Father. Leaving here, expressing his love to a dying world at great personal cost, 
Would you bow your head with me? I'm going to invite those who have feel in their heart that they need to come to an altar. That you need to arise and leave your seat. And you need to augment what the Holy Spirit is saying into you because you know the ramifications to this altar means a different form of living. So this is not an easy one to come to this morning. I'm not going to make it easy for you. I'm going to challenge you. If you want to get back into the fight, friends, you need to start doing the will of God again. You need to start making him known. But already, I want you to count the cost. If there's only one that answers this this morning, you could be God's Elijah to this nation. Count the cost, friends. Because there will be a cost to this. This is not a good field message. This is a message. This is an end days message. This is a time that's so dark. God is raising back his people again and bringing them to maturity and bringing them forward. And this is your moment to arise this morning and to touch the presence of God. And as we musicians come and just play this morning, I'm going to open this order. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to confer upon us such an anointing that there'll be no turning you, friends. It doesn't matter if they put you on an Iron Maiden. It doesn't matter if they put you on coals. It doesn't matter if they put a gun to your head. You will not. You cannot. You must not. Your will, your food is to do the will of your Father. Come this morning. Let God touch your heart. Let him refresh you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God bless you as you come. Wherever you are, whether you're watching at home or watching later on, I don't know where you are, but God would speak to you the same. Your food is to do the will of your Father. Stop making excuses that you can't. He'll give you the power. Just start doing it and you'll be amazed the power will come. Amen. If you're going to wait for the power first, you're talking yourself out of a fight. Get out there in your weakness. Amen. It's when I'm weak that I'm strong. So if you're feeling good and weak this morning, you're at a good place to be used by God. If you're feeling I'm the biggest mess up in Times Square Church, I don't deserve another chance at this, you are welcome to this altar because you're the very person that God wants to use. You're the very sort of people that God does use, friends. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Beloved, I'm not one to stretch an altar call, but I do know that there's many here this morning and God is speaking to you. I know it. I just know it in my heart. I hope I brought it out as best I could to you today that God wants you to start going about his business again. He wants you to start to do his will again. And, and you have to, you can't just be thinking about standing. At your, I hope you're not just standing there just thinking this through. It doesn't work when you think it through. It works when you take that first step towards God and say, God, I'm hearing what you're saying. And I'm going to just invite you to come to this altar, late as it may be for some of you. Because the hour is very dark and it's very late. And yet God is, is resurrecting his church. He is putting fiber back and he's putting iron back in there again, friends. And there is, there is I believe, going to be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon the church. I believe with all my heart because we're sitting grounds, grace does much more about and the most unlikely Christians the biggest mess ups the ones that were like dormant for years and us who went through the motions or maybe lost their purpose a long time ago and became religious with the gospel and God is bringing them back amen he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit he's going to fill you with power and conviction and you're going to, you're going to end you're going to end terrifically well you're going to finish the race with style. Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to finish with confidence. You'll be ready to lay down everything, friends. The confiscation of your goods. Even if it means promotion, friendship, love, acceptance from people. Because you yourself have a far more weightier glory that's ahead of you. And so today, friends, we need to really just say to the Lord, we embrace what you're saying to us, Father. We embrace the responsibility to be the light and the salt that you have told us to be. And when you think about it, it's not a very good plan, naturally speaking, because most of us wouldn't even hang out with each other if we weren't Christians. But it's going to show how powerful God is. Amen. That from every tribe and kindred and tongue and background at this altar and in this church, God is raising up a peculiar people, a holy nation. And the excellency of the power is going to be him. It's not going to be us. It's not Elijah. It's him. 
So, Father, I pray right now, and I pray you raise your hands with me right across the church, from all the back rows to the forward. Just raise your hands to heaven. Pray for these at the altar. Father, I pray for my brethren. Lord, this is your plan A. This is your A plan all the time, God, to raise up and resurrect that bride to the church. And I pray, God, for those who have been so under the heel of the enemy and condemnation, thinking that they have messed up once too often. God, I pray right now that confidence will rise in them again. That hope will rise in their heart, oh God. That, Lord, joy will rise in them, oh God. We sang it, Lord, this morning. I can't remember the song, but it was about getting my joy back, got my hope back. God, I pray right now, Lord, even here, there will be a quiet confidence that will begin to fill the hearts of every Christian. Every, every brother and every sister, Lord, in the sounds of my voice this morning, Lord, that they would raise a hand to God this morning, raise a hand to heaven. They would step out of the cave, oh God, and begin to see, Lord, that you're not angry with them. That they would arise, Lord, and eat, Lord, and journey on the strength of your work, oh God. That, Lord, as Christ, Lord, found that supernatural nourishment, Lord, from simply sharing his love with this, far, this woman that was so far away from you, God. That, Lord, it was food to his very soul. It was actually even sustenance to him physically, Lord. I have food of another source that you know not now. Lord, I pray that we shall discover that food again. That, Lord God, we will discover your economy, Lord. That the just shall live by faith, O oh God. Not by works, O oh God. That we will step in, Lord God, and understand that you will make provision for the rainy day, O oh God. You will make provision, O oh God, for the cold day, Lord God. You will make provision, O oh God, for the times when the devil sins be all around us, Lord. That, Lord, you will be with your people and camped about them, O oh God. You will be behind them and in front of them. You will lay your hand upon them, Lord. We are invincible, untouchable, O oh God. We are until you say we are not, Lord. What can man do, Lord? What can he do, Lord Jesus? We thank you, Lord, that greater is he that is in us now. We believe that and we testify to that, Lord. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the call of God for our life. Now, God, we pray that you will infuse that, Lord, into our spirit this morning, Lord. That, Lord, we don't need to announce to other people. We don't need to be grandstanding when we leave her, Lord. We just need to be salt and light, oh God. We just need to go and be your hands. We need to be your voice, Lord. We need to be your hugs, oh God. We need to be, Lord Jesus, Lord, your provision to this sick and dying world. Now, I pray you multiply your grace, Lord, to these at the altar. Multiply it, Lord. Give them grace, Lord, that, Lord God, they could only but imagine for, oh God. But, Lord, I pray, Lord, there would be a confidence rising up, Lord. A security, a love, Lord. A sense of acceptance, Lord. A sense now, Lord God, that they can leave here and find Jehu and find Hazel and find Elisha, whoever they be, Lord God. Whether it's a wayward son or a daughter, Lord. Whether it's a neighbor that's dying of cancer, oh God. Whether, Lord, it is a divorced husband or spouse, oh God. Lord, whether, Lord Jesus, there's an enemy, whether it's an enemy at work, oh God, whether it's someone, Lord, that has set their hearts against us, that we would come, Lord, and anoint them with the good news, oh God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, let the Spirit of God fall on your church, oh God, that you anoint us to preach the good news, Lord. And Lord, sometimes, Lord, we might have to use words, oh God, but help our lives testify to the goodness of God. When people see us, let them see generous people, oh God. Loving people, oh God. Hospitable people, oh God. Given for men and for women, oh God. I pray, Jesus, right now you will birth new ministries. You will open up and refresh, Lord God, the vision that you put into these souls, these precious souls, these precious soldiers, oh God, these precious sons and daughters of yours, oh God, that Lord, right now, God, a confidence will rise up. Hallelujah. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, just rejoice this morning. Arise and eat. Eat. Go out and find someone and feed your soul and giving Christ to them. Amen. Feed your soul, feed your body, feed your mind with the purpose of God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Bless the name of God. Hallelujah, Lord. <laughs>